Thanks. In this mini lecture, I'm going to be talking about children's temperament. And actually, it's human beings' temperament. Um, temperament is, a, is just sort of uh, basic dimensions of your personality. And there is some evidence that our temperament is genetically influenced, probably also influenced by um, our environment in the womb and definitely influenced by uh, our home life, family life. Temperament seems to be just some sort of basic things we inherit. Uh, for example, are you a very active person who has to move a lot or are you uh, a couch potato? Then whatever our genetic uh, physiological pre-birth inheritance is interacts with our environment in different ways to produce different personalities, different patterns of behavior, uh, different developmental plan, uh, paths, and then different adults. So we're going to be talking about t temperament. Um, we have a basic uh, middle-class bias about dealing with concepts of temperament. We have a very strong cultural belief that parents ought to love their children deeply no matter what. And we have trouble dealing with the idea that sometimes there are mismatches, temperamental mismatches between parents and children, adults such as teachers and children. Uh, for example, some of my uh, elementary uh, students will tell me that they love children, they love all children and that's very important for a teacher to love all children and then to have pretty serious problems during student teaching when they find that they have a child in their classroom who's not very lovable or who has some sort of basic conflict with them. Um, so I encourage pre-service teachers and, and experienced teachers don't base your practice and your relationship to students on the idea that you must love them all. Uh, try for some deeper kinds of relationships like they're human beings. Uh, your job is to work with this child. Your, chi your job is to help this child grow and improve. Your job is to teach this child some useful stuff, regardless of whether you feel any uh, deep emotional bond to the child. Again, I recommend that to parents and, and teachers. Uh, the parent, you may love your child deeply and still find him or her extremely irritating on a regular basis. So let's get over some of the mythology about we have to love children and let's take a look at what we need to do to raise and teach children. Now temperament, I'm going to be drawing on the work of a child psychologist named Stanley Tarecki. And uh, Tarecki bases his practice on, or, or has based his practice on, working with parents and children who have big temperamental mismatches. And I'm going to talk about the nine dimensions of temperament that Tarecki and his colleagues have identified. This is just sort of general basic background on what are the dimensions of temperament that cause those mismatches between adults and children. And remember, the adult has a temperament too. So my temperament, your temperament. All right, first we have activity level. 
how active or restless is this child? If you talk to parents who have more than one child, they will always tell you that their children are different. And then they'll go on, you know, this child is this way and this child is that way. Mothers who've had more than one child will tell you that children are different in the womb. And often what they will talk about is the uh, fetus's activity level. They will tell you something like, my first child nearly kicked me to death. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do anything. He was just constantly kicking and turning and all of this stuff. Now, my second child uh, didn't do that. She was very calm and quiet. Uh, once a week, maybe she'd kind of roll over, but I, you know, most of the time I didn't even know she was there. Now, there's no, as far as I know, there's no necessary relationship between the activity level before birth and after birth. But nonetheless, children show up very different early on in activity level. If you go to the hospital and uh, to the neonatal area and you look at the little babies lying there in their uh, little basin bassinets with little pink blankets and little blue blank blankets, you will see differences. You will see one baby sound asleep with a peaceful look on his face and right next to him, there's a little girl and she's got her arms kicking and she uh, arms struggling and she, her face just looks all tense and she's bright red and she's crying, okay? Activity level. How active or restless is this child? Well, you can understand that a child whose activity level is very much higher than yours can be a problem. Uh, you can also understand that a child whose activity level is much lower than yours might be a problem, maybe not as big a problem, but if you are an active moving person and you have uh, somehow given birth to a uh, little couch potato, you may have some problems with that. How active or restless is this child? How much need for physical movement does the child have? Um, I remember seeing a mother one time in some sort of public place with a little boy who obviously had a high need for physical movement. He was in motion constantly, but she had trained him, bless her heart, that he had to stay right next to her. And so what he did was bounce up and down, up and down, or, and he would bounce around, 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 and he'd, he'd move his feet, he'd move out. But he never got outside this little square right next to her. And when she would move on, he'd lag behind just a step or two, and then he'd leap after. He was actually doing bunny hops after her. All right, uh, a woman with a child who needs a lot of physical movement, and she had taught him some ways to, to indulge his need for physical movement that worked very well in this context. I thought she was a, a brilliant woman. Bouncing. This little guy's bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Uh, you get these kids and they will tear up your sofas, they will tear up your beds, just bounce, bounce, bounce all the time, all that motion. Um, you can get them a trampoline, but uh, you know, of course, that there are some uh, hazards, uh, physical hazards with trampoline. But what do you do about the kids who just got to bounce? 
Okay, other repetitive movements. Um, kids with a lot of need for physical, move, uh, physical movement often do a lot of uh, repetitive movements like bam, 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 bam on something, can drive you crazy. Um, kids who make some kind of little noise, um, whatever it is, and they do it over and over and over again, uh, can really get under your skin pretty quickly. The kid who always runs. You're a teacher and you have one of these in your uh, class and you're trying to move the class from point A to and point B and this kid wants to run 40 miles an hour and he's down, down the hall, around the corner, and out of the sight. That, that can give you a pretty serious uh, problem. Most schools have the rule, no running in the hall. Okay, So you got a kid who's compelled to run and he's in an environment where the rule is no running. Okay, So the kid who always runs. Not much sleep. Again, parents will tell you, well, my first child came home, got on schedule real quickly, sleep through the night when he was two days old or whatever, you know, two months. You know, the second one never sleeps. I actually raised one of those night after night after night. He was not unhappy. He was just wide awake. Night after night after night, I thought I was supposed to rock this kid to sleep. Night after night after night, I rocked this kid and watched all the way through the television shows, and at that time there was no all-night television. And what happened somewhere around, uh, I guess, 1 or 1.30, uh, the station went off the air and they played, they showed a slide of the American flag waving and the Star Spangled Banner was played. Night after night, I watched the flag and listened to the Star Spangled Banner with a kid who wouldn't go to sleep. All right, it's rough on you. Distractibility. How distractible is this kid? How easy to get off uh, task? Again, you may um, have an adult in your life who, when you're sitting there talking to them face-to-face, -face, maybe across uh, a table, their eyes keep leaving you. And what happens is, is like maybe you're in a restaurant and there's movement outside, and whatever that movement is, that person has to track it. All right, how easily distracted is this person? How long can a child pay attention? Now, a common statement is that children have short attention spans and that teachers should de uh, devise instruction in little bitty bits to accommodate those short attention spans. That's generally pretty good advice, but it's really interesting that a child who otherwise seems to have a really short attention span will spend two hours playing some kind of computer game or Xbox type game. So how long can the child pay attention to different kinds of activities is a good question. Um, you will find, for example, that in, uh, let's say, preschool and elementary, Teachers do move pretty quickly, quickly, quickly. We will do a little morning routine like um, sit in our little chairs around Miss Sue and we'll have little like uh, calendar exercises. What is our month? What is our, what's the day of the week? What's the weather today? And we'll talk about this and this and this. Moving, moving, moving. Um, with middle school and high school students, you can have longer instructional segments but you have to 
match that to the kindness of activities. Some keep students engaged longer than others. And even, even adults have attention spans. Um, for example, a meeting that lasts longer than an hour, hour and a half at the most, you get very little use out of the last 30 minutes. Okay? Uh, one problem, again, with my video lectures here is that some of them go as long as 30 to 45 minutes. That's a long time for anyone to pay attention to anything. Uh, I try to be as interesting as possible, and uh, I hope you have the option of, uh, if you're not paying attention, clicking off, coming back later, taking up where you left off, finding out where you left off. Okay, how distractible, how long can the child pay attention? Intensity. How loud is the child, whether happy or unhappy? Uh, you can see that a loud child would get on your nerves. You also might have a child who is just so quiet and meek that uh, your outgoing, assertive personality uh, has trouble appreciating uh, this more timid, quiet, soft-spoken child. How loud is the child? How extreme are the emotional responses? Um, even in adult life, you can find people whose emotional responses, good, bad, or indifferent, are so intense that they put you off. For example, I have trouble with people who uh, carry a lot of anger around. Um, and it may be that I have my own issues with anger. But people who just are this sort of boiling cauldron of anger all the time, real intense, uh, it's like when you're in the room with them, you can feel the waves coming off of them. Uh, tends to put people off, those extreme emotional responses. How frequent are emotional outbursts? Uh, it's really, really hard on the nerves to be with someone who has a certain emotional outburst on a frequent basis. If you get upset, break down, and cry, well, the first time, you know, it's okay and we'll comfort you. But if that's a regular routine, it, ooh, it gets old. So how frequent are those emotional outbursts? On the other hand, you can have a human being who rarely expresses much emotion at all. Uh, we, we perceive them as cold. We perceive them as non-responsive. Uh, if you have a child that you perceive as non-responsive, you may not feel like the child is, is properly uh, reciprocating your love. So you can have problems from that. I had the experience of being in a, a store one time in the back of the store, a good sized store, it was a drugstore, and a woman came in the front door with the loudest baby I've ever heard in my life. I could hear him, and he wasn't unhappy, he was happy. He was a big baby, a boy, um, maybe uh, 18 months, and he just had a real loud, deep voice. I could hear him all the way to the back of the store. And when I came up to the front of the store, I saw a fairly small woman holding a really big baby. And I looked at him, and I listened to that foghorn voice, and I suddenly understood that he was going to grow up to be a really big man. And he was loud. And they might want to see if he's, uh, he's going to be an opera singer or something. Just a loud baby. 
that can get under your skin. All right, regularity, another uh, feature of temperament. How predictable is the child in sleep, appetite, bowel, ha bowel habits, etc.? Again, you'll get parents uh, saying, oh, Lord, I don't know what to do with this child. Um, can't get him to bed at a regular time. Uh, he won't go to bed when he, he doesn't sleep. He sleeps four hours a day, whatever. Uh, once in a while, you get the opposite. Can't wake this kid up. Um, obviously, if you're trying to potty train a child, the regularity of the bowel habits uh, is very important. In fact, some, uh, some physicians, some pediatricians advise not uh, even trying to potty train a child until he starts waking up dry in the morning on a regular basis, which means he's starting to get, his body is starting to get some kind of, of rhythm and regularity to it. All right, so how regular is the child? Persistence. Now, we talked about a child who uh, is very distractible. You can get the opposite. You can get the child whose persistence is a problem, a child who's relentless, who's stubborn. He's doing something, and you can't get him to disengage and come to supper. Or if you do insist that he stop this activity, and move to another activity, he becomes very upset. The kid who, who just burrows right in, he attaches to an activity, and he doesn't like to let go. Sensory threshold. How does the child react to stimuli, such as noise, bright lights, color, smell, pain, heat, cold, taste, texture, and feel of, feel of clothing? Um, you get kids and you get adults who seem to be very picky, very sensitive, um, and, and you can get all kinds of conflicts with them. Um, you have a little girl whose uh, beloved grandmother sends her a pair of blue underpants, and the little girl insists on only wearing white underpants. You think, well, that's not real important, but it can cause stress in families. You know. The precious grandma sent this gift, and the child rejects it, and the parents will try to make her wear it, and she'll, you know, there's no reason not to, nah, 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 nah. Um, I often ask my students, are there any foods you really don't like? And almost everybody will volunteer something. Almost everybody has some kind of, of food they just don't like. And so then I will ask them, you know, green beans. Okay, so you don't like green beans, what do you do about it? Uh, and uh, George Bush Sr. Uh, didn't like broccoli. So what do you do? You don't eat green beans or you don't eat broccoli. However, you will find children who don't like green beans or broccoli and their parents forcing them eat green beans, eat broccoli. So a lot of conflict, uh, parents get all emotionally involved and get their ego involved in what the child eats, okay? Uh, my child is going to have a uh, strictly organic diet and then the parent will uh, pack uh, like vegetable sushi, uh, hummus, and all these really nutritious vegetarian type things for the child to take to lunch. Well. Number one, the kid doesn't want to eat those things. Number two, 
uh, you are in serious danger in some schools if you take that kind of stuff for lunch. What the kid wants is a bologna and cheese sandwich, an apple, and a bag of potato chips. And you get this kind of conflict. Um, so heat, taste, food, uh, clothing preferences, uh, bright lights. You get some kids who are easily bothered, fussy little people. I'm, I'm cold, okay? She's always cold, drives you crazy. It's 80 degrees. And she's saying, I'm cold. My neck is cold. I don't feel good. <laughs> easily bothered. Uh, kids who are easily overstimulated by bright lights, crowds, loud music, etc. Uh, they either freak out or they get so revved up that they're um, almost uncontrollable. And you've got three kids. Two of them want to go to the fair and will have a good time and behave. And you got the third one who, if you take him to the fair, will turn into a uh, raging maniac. So what do you do? All right, approach withdrawal. What is the child's initial reaction to new experiences or specific experiences you want the child to have? My own personal example very recently is a telephone conversation with my son about my grandson who is 20 months old, uh, which is you know practically a two-year-old and that's always a, uh, an interesting time in life. My daughter-in-law and son enrolled him in baby gymnastics. And so I'm listening to the story. They took their precious son, my precious uh, grandson, to baby gymnastics. And from their point of view, it was a total fiasco. He would not participate in any of the baby gymnastic activities. He didn't exactly cling to them, but when they tried to encourage him to interact with the other children or do some of the little activities, uh, he would pitch a fit and refuse and cry and scream and all this sort of stuff. A very little interaction with the other kids, and they did manage to coax him to do a few things solo, but just not much. Okay, there's nothing remarkable about this. And in fact, I started laughing and I told my son, uh, do you know who you just described? And I made him aware that as a parent, I had to put up with exactly the same behavior as his child was exhibiting. Um, and I reminded him that time after time, when he was in preschool, I was called into the principal's office. I mean, you know, there you are with a three-year-old child and you're already being called into the principal's office. I would go to the principal's office in, uh, she was called the director, but she was basically the head of the preschool. And I'd go in for the conference and she would tell me that my child wouldn't participate in group activities. Uh, he didn't misbehave or anything, he just wouldn't participate and he'd go off by himself and do something solo. And I would say things like, well, what's wrong with that? Uh, <laughs> but you, get, as a parent, you get your ego involved in all this. And I had a, a nice long talk with my son. How do you feel when your child, you're in front of these other parents and children, and your child won't participate? Your child won't succeed. Your child won't excel. Your child is, is uh, 
a loner, your child pitches a fit. How do you feel? The problem is with you, not with the child. All right, you got a kid, you're taking him in for a new experience, and he just rejects uh, the whole experience, really gets to your concept as, as a parent. Okay, have we failed? Is there something wrong with our child? Okay, what's the child's initial reaction to new experiences? New places, people, food, clothes, whatever. Adaptability. Child's response to transitions and changes in the environment. And this may be an issue for my little grandson also. Um, he has a stay-at-home mom and is used to a lot of attention. Uh, he has some play with other children, uh, but possibly not as much as if he were in a preschool environment. And uh, neither is better than the other. They're both, you know, both good environments. But maybe his uh, adaptability is an issue too, going from the home environment to this uh, gym with all this bright colored stuff for uh, little kids to play with. What's the child's response to transitions, changes? Uh, doing something different. I have told you in another lecture that you might not think this, but you can actually upset children, students, by changing their schedule. Something you'd think was very simple uh, and, and no big deal. You may find children who are not very adaptable who find that a total, totally devastating uh, change in their world, that you're simply going to change the order of the day. Mood. What's the child's predominant mood or basic disposition? Is this child basically sunny or basically serious? Uh, you can have children, for example, who are just uh, always happy, uh, brighten your light, life, and you may think, well, that's great, I have a sunny child. What if that sunny child ne never seems to take anything seriously? always happy, always chirping, always singing, not a bit uh, concerned about the fact that he or she can't remember uh, homework, books, shoes, loses every coat you buy them. Happy as can be. You may find that very irritating that the child and think the child is not taking some things seriously. Alright, suppose you have a child who's just always real serious. Uh, that can be a conflict too. You have a good sense of humor and like to make jokes and the kid just sits there. He never laughs at your jokes. He doesn't seem to have a sense of humor. He's always serious. All right. In other words, we've looked at nine basic dimensions where people, where their temperament can be uh, a matter of conflict. You can probably think about your own temperament and characteristics, your relationships with other adults in your life, with other children in your life, and if you sit down and think about some of these basic dimensions, um, it's really helpful to do some of that analysis because if you're, if you're more objective, you often can uh, do a better job with your emotional reactions. And I'm not urging that you become, in, you know, become a saint, but again, some of that cognitive understanding, knowledge of what's going on with that child or with that uh, other adult in your life can help you devise some ways to deal with it, including some internal ways such as not being irritated. All right? 
when he starts to make that annoying noise and bouncing up and down because he's so active, I'm going to take a deep breath, let it go. If you're not quite into that, you may want to practice some, some Zen meditation. If you're not quite there, it's I'm going to take a deep breath, stand up, and go to my room for a few seconds, whatever, uh, trying to understand. Now, in, a, in another lecture, I'm going to talk more about specific things you can do to deal with children who have temperament problems. Take care. Bye-bye.